Yeah, and welcome to another edition of Fire in the Mountains, Ricky Wittenberg, Andy Waddell, and Justin Edgel. And guys, we've got a quick turnaround from our last show. We just taped it a few days ago, but my God, we watched these two episodes and we were like, we got to get something out on these because quite honestly, back to back, these are probably the most fun two episodes we've had to watch in the entire Smoky Mountain Run. I can't imagine much has changed, but Andy Waddell, are you doing okay today? I, I'm doing great. Done a little off-roading. I think I seen Dirty White Boy's house while I was out there. It, it, it's been a good weekend. Good deal. Justin, how's it going? Hey, I just woke up. Actually, uh, it's nice to be awake for once. And then I, I got to say, if I uh, lose consciousness tonight on a Monday night, I might have to go to a meeting tomorrow. <laughs> that is so true. Yes, uh, the other night... Uh, infamously that will go down in history on this show justin loses consciousness at the end of the show so you never know what you're going to get on fire in the mountains that is the absolute 100 percent truth and by god i think we're going to show that tonight so we are episode 25 and 26 now and we are at the polk county high school in benton tennessee and jackie fulton went crazy just here in polk county high school possibly andy what is is polk Anywhere near, or is uh, Benton anywhere near Belton? Belton. Uh, you got to go down 81, hang a left on 40, and go west for about two hours, uh, turn off the paved road. No, it's not anywhere near Belton. No, sir. Okay. Well, we go, okay, this is probably a little mistake from last week's show, but. Tennessee is too wide of a state. So are our women, sir. Yeah, well, there you go. Like a okay. hot, hot dog down a hallway, boys. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened last week, apparently, are, um, where we see these shows on YouTube, I think the, the episode was cut off. And that may be why there was a little confusion, because we thought that the Bodies Against the Jobbers was the main event, and then it kind of broke down, and the Fultons and the bodies and then all the other wrestlers were all fighting around ringside and i kind of thought that made sense on how they ended the show i just thought it was a little weird but apparently we missed about eight minutes of the show because there was a fantastics and bodies match and well we missed some of it but we're going to get to see the end of it because they kind of let it run into the end of the show anyway and it was a cliffhanger so i guess either way it wasn't that bad so straight straight out of the uh, out of the gate here, we've got the at the desk like normal, and Dutch has a cigar. It's uh, not much of a cigar, but it's a cigar. <laughs> the ten cent steak and stogie. Well, it was so fun. I was dying when I first saw that. Like that's the cheapest damn thing. He he probably rolled it himself it, right before the show. Who knows? It fits Dutch's character pretty well. Uh, For sure. He asked Bob if it, if him having the cigar is going to bother him, and Bob says yes. And then immediately Dutch asks if he has if he has a lighter. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, God. Bob and Dutch, I will be very, very upset when the day comes, and I know it comes, when Dutch Mantell is no longer on Smoky Mountain with Bob Cottle. So we'll, we'll man, just have to... That, that sucks. That, uh, man, you just ruined it for me. Well, it's going to come... That's why we'll, I, might be, I might not be able to watch anymore. I don't know. There'll be plenty of stuff to keep you interested, hopefully. There will be. I'm just messing around. But, you know, I mean, he... They care... Like I, I've said a 
a million. Gosh, probably double digit times now. They carry the show a lot of times. They do. They when do. it's a shitty ass mash or whatever. But so anyway. And, and every week you can tell their their chemistry gets a little better. I mean, they've not they've never had bad chemistry, but every week they get a little better. So it's really cool to to listen to Bob and Dutch bounce off each other. And and, and that's and that's something that's missing a lot nowadays. Is you know, very rarely do you have that dynamic between the announcers. I mean, you had Jr. and Jerry Lawler. You have you know Dutch and Bob, and you know it seems like it it always skips a generation. I guess like balding hair or something. Yeah, something like that. I, I don't know exactly right. what exactly what causes that but they they do have that chemistry um yeah like what they have right now in the wwe real quick i mean it, it's horrible it's pathetic michael cole sucks all, all the stuff they have now he, they're terrible jbl's okay but michael cole uh, the chemistry they're not even funny like, i think it's part of it because they're pg now but yeah that's that's, that's and they've got producers yelling in their ear telling them exactly what to say Right, yeah, and that's crap. That because sucks. Kevin Dunn just thinks that anything that comes out of his mind is wonderful and nobody else can put a coherent thought together, apparently. And I thought Russo was bad. Jeez. So we, we go to the end of the main event from last week, and Caudill, he, he jumps all over Mark Curtis here. He says that he should just get the heck out of there because he has no control, which is true. But it's kind of weird to hear Bob say that. And uh, Bobby hits a right hand slap. Oh my god! I put that. That was that's a right hand slap that can knock your dick stiff. Holy crap! He hits him so hard, Lane goes flying over the top rope, and Bobby does his fantastic strut, which uh, the Fultons kind of grow on you a little bit. And Bobby's a good character, and as much shit as we give Jackie, he is a decent worker. So yeah. I, I enjoy watching these teams fight. And then, of course, we have the obligatory Bob, Colin, Jackie, Big Jackie. And and uh, the, we'll have more about Big Jackie next week. He don't call him Big Jackie in the next episode, but there's there's a hilarious – there's something hilarious that happens that we'll talk about later. And um, Big Jackie, that's uh, – actually, that's what he tells his, uh, his 12-year-old acquaintances to call him, I hear. Oh, God. This this match eventually breaks down into disqualification. It was definitely a lot of fun while it lasted. Uh, the Fantastics they run off the heavenly bodies to end the match, and and a good visual is Jackie Fulton is actually choking Stan Lane with the volleyball net. Now that's, that's not, not the. I'm sure that's not the first time he's used a volleyball net in high school. I'm just saying. Oh God! So. Yes, and then <laughs> Dutch Mantel, he's he's ripping Jackie Fulton as always. He calls him a, uh, a cripply cripple. He's crippled mentally, which yes, we we think there is something to that. Dutch, <laughs> we can. Yeah, agree with you. he loves to rip on the mentally deficient all the time. I, I don't know how many times he says it on each broadcast, but it's still it's it's funny every time. Now, speaking of political correctness, we can't do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no doubt. So, uh, yeah, Caudill, he gives us fire on the now fire on the mountain announcement. And, uh, we go to the ring with Bob Armstrong. He's with the heavenly bodies and the fantastics. And Armstrong says that if anybody throws a punch, they're going to be out of there. So yes, Justin, uh, 
What I, you've noticed something about Bob Armstrong that's a recurring theme? He still has his same, same goddamn shirt on again with a bad <laughs> clip on tie. Well, you know what he. Very, but I'm gonna be a little nicer this this well, I guess a couple days later. But like I said, I, I'm the. I'm thinking about proposing a permanent fashion statement of the week to this this guy. Yeah, I, I, he's I'll just leave it at that. I'm gonna be nice this time. Now next week I might not be. Okay, uh, it depends on my state of mind. So for this big match at Fire on the Mountains, uh, Bob Cottle or Bob Bob Armstrong bans Jim Cornette from ringside, and Cornette's beside himself. He says he can't do that, and he'll sue. And basically, he said he'll keep it tied up in courts until Bob Armstrong dies. <laughs> so, so <laughs> that was great. That was yeah. funny as hell. So they they have sanctioned a barbed wire cage match, which is going to be awesome, I'm sure. And then Bobby says that Cornette can come to ringside, so he whispers something in Bob Armstrong's ear. And then Bob says, "Okay, one more step, Cornette. You, it, it's not because he's not got the microphone right up to his face, but one of the things you hear him utter." Is what are you going to let him have a chainsaw? Which uh, in I thought it was pretty clear, but maybe he didn't want that to be on there. I don't know. Oh no, he would have. It just, it, it just, yeah. Do you want him to have a? Let him have a chainsaw. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then Bob announces, "No, he's the special guest referee." And then Cornette, in one of his classic temper tantrums, literally dives down on his back, kicking and screaming in the middle of the ring. What can you say? Jim Cornette's he's the master of of being just a whiny little brat, and he pulled it off real well right there. Andy, what do you think of the angle? Uh, I liked it. The only thing I would have liked to see was when Bob come out there and said, first one that throws a punch is out of here. If one side or the other would have dropped kicked the other group, that would have been funny as all get out. But it, it was a good angle, and they worked it pretty good, I thought. Uh, hell, Bobby don't need to throw a punch. He can slap you and knock you out. One of those Rick Rude slaps that just obliterates somebody. All right, so need to fit right in here on this in this promotion, no doubt about it. I think we've talked about that before, though. Yeah, it's Rick Rude. Uh, we, but yeah, that, that 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 was a that was a good hissy fit. The only other thing I gotta say is something about Jim Cornette's really hideous pants that he's wearing was it the green pants was, was he decked yeah it was the green pants it looked like he was like going going out to augusta or something like that i don't know what the hell he's wearing but it was funny and he's he's like acting like a little baby it was funny though yeah. and Cornette's actually cognizant he pulls it off great of what he wears because he he's always had those loud clothes he knows that loud clothes is obnoxious that don't yeah match. gets attention so sure it's just it's just another way for him to get heat which is cool because he he gets it so he know he knows that he wants people to uh, yell at him at least he changes his freaking clothes I tell, I'll give him that <laughs> yes he does he at least has two <laughs> or three outfits that he can mix and match yeah exactly. oh he looks like a leprechaun he's such a special person well we're coming up on the the day of the Irish so might as well. Oh, the luck of the Irish be to you, laddies. Uh, you sound more like um, uh, Ozark, Matt. Uh, <laughs> Matt hey, my, pe- my people are Scotch-Irish up here in the mountains, okay? So, you know, 
It sounds like Carl Stiles trying to do an Irish accent. Well, I did get pulled over speeding, but that's another story. Okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no bodies in your trunk today? Uh, half one. Uh, okay. Uh, before we incriminate you any further, highlights of the Battens and uh, the Dirty White Boy in Orndorf. And then we go to the desk with Brian Lee, and, and Lee says that he specializes in one-on-one. And he went to the commissioner, and if he wins, Dirty White Boy is out of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I'm like, okay, I know that the White Boy is a pain in his side, but he's not done anything so dastardly that would make him, Lee, go to the commissioner to get the Dirty White Boy banned from Smoky Mountain if he loses. That all, that is that's like a stipulation that a heel would have a heel. Well, it, the, the I mean, think, on paper the roles are reversed. He's hiding behind Armstrong, dirty white boy. I mean, uh, as a flat out thing, he's trying to help an elderly man get a surgery. He calls Lee out on being a coward. You know it. Dirty White Boy is the face, and Lee is the heel. It's uh, I, I, even on paper, it looks that way. I don't get. It. I, I mean, I know that we're apparently very well Brian Lee biased by now, but I still don't get it. I don't know what they were. I'm not sure what the the thought process is in this whole angle with Brian Lee. I don't think there is one. It's like. Well, utter confusion. We couldn't get Brad Armstrong or Terry Taylor, so well, here's this guy that's six foot eight, and well, and he'll tell us how. Well, how, how many? How much does he friggin' weigh? He tells us every friggin' week. Yeah, I mean, he's very proud of his weight and his height. So <laughs> I guess he's like a he's like a really bad rapper that has to remind you of his name so you don't forget him. You know, that's what it reminds me of. Oh God! And this thing it's it's kind. I know I, I bang on him more than you guys, obviously. I mean, I say it every week, but he is—he's he, pathetic. He gets—he gets no pop whatsoever. He's the base world champion or whatever, but he, all he is is a horse-headed moron. I'm sick of him. Um, there's really not much more to say add to that than what you guys did. Well, you know, at least sucks. He freaking sucks. There's there's one good thing about Brian Lee right now in this point in Smoky Mountain. Jim Cornette was smart enough to realize, even though he was the world champion, he did not build his TV episodes around Brian Lee. He actually had him as a supporting member of whatever was going on because he didn't want Brian Lee to have to pull the show. And it, it, it kind of should be like that if he's the cha- you know the champion. Yeah, you I know, mean, like when Hulk Hogan was the champion, when was Hulk Hogan not the focus of the? Of the, the whole show, yeah. But uh, yeah. they they kind of build everything else around and and have Lee as just a placeholder. Anyway, down and dirty with Dutch, and we've got Jimmy Golden as a special guest. And Dutch asks a series of questions about Gibson. Uh, he asks if Jim if Robert Gibson is a moron, and Jimmy Golden says yes. And then he asks it again. He says is Robert Gibson a moron, and Jimmy Golden looks a little bit confused at this point. And he, he plays a lot. He says yes again because Dutch screwed that up. He said he's a mental deficient, a cheat, a liar, and an egg-sucking There dog. it is again, mental deficient. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Golden says Gibson's made a lot of mistakes by getting involved with him. Gibson hits the ring, and they start fighting, and then Mark Curtis comes out, and all of a sudden we have an impromptu 
Jimmy Golden and Robert Gibson match. So Dutch uh, Dutch is very upset when he's back uh, back on commentary. He said that he was going to slap him, but he's a professional. And <laughs> in typical Dutch fashion, he's not going to do anything when anybody's around, but when they can't do anything about it, he's definitely going to talk bad about them. That's right. So Jimmy Golden rakes his Robert Gibson's eyes. He gets the upper hand in the match, and then they go back and forth. It's a decent TV match. It kind of is what it is. It's setting up the angle. Gibson hits the Bulldog, and it actually, because Jimmy Golden's a competent individual, it looked like a, a decent Bulldog for once. Uh, right. He didn't almost break his damn neck like the guy did last week. Let's, yeah, let's talk about that. And uh, the, the, the thing is, then we get Robert Fuller, the Tennessee stud himself. And all his glory comes out, and he smashes Robert Gibson with the boot. And Bob Cottle plays it up real well. He's like, that's Robert Fuller. And Dutch Mantell, even for a second, said, who? And then, he, then, I mean, Dutch obviously knows who Robert Fuller is. So then he gets excited about it. And the fans are sitting on their hands. Robert Gibson is the only guy that can get fans not to sit on their hands. And the fans yeah. still don't care. I don't know where Benton, Tennessee is. Andy kind of gave us general map quest version but they suck this group of fans these 200 people that was in attendance here they they blow that's that's all i can say about them i'm sorry when i seen this angle start playing out the first thing that popped in my mind was teddy long hollering we got a tag team match player 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 yeah you know that something's going down when robert gibson gets attacked by the stud stable and nobody comes out to save him. That is definitely an ominous sign. Nobody comes out to save Gibson because it's setting something up, which we all know what's coming. Well, yeah, but at the time I didn't. It's a good thing. So, Bob, well, it, it might have been a bunch of my, you know, bunch of Yankees there because because I, I told you right when he came out, like when we were talking about this episode, I had no idea who he was at first. But I was, I was, you know, I'm thinking, you know, when you're down south, you should know who this guy is if he's a, a big time wrestler down there, like you said. Yeah, and what one of the big, biggest heel stables ever down south, and oh, these yeah. idiots are like looking like you know looking lost in space. I don't know. Yeah, it was I, weird. I don't know. It's it may just been the market that they were in is not really it, right conductive to whatever they were to the wrestling. I mean. So I have seen in some of the Dave Meltzer newsletters that I've been reading following this to see if we had any interesting things going on. There was a few places they went in West Virginia and just had horrible houses, like 50 or 75 people for a Smoky Mountain card. So I I think sometimes... What else is there to do in West Virginia except being in the, in the mountains looking for coal? Or your cousins. Well, yeah, that too. Yeah, I asked him, I said, Brandon, what you going to do? Shoot me? And he did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia flashback. If you haven't seen that documentary, for the love of God, seek it out and find it. It's it's um, about as brutally honest as you could get, and it's a train wreck that you can't look away from. No, sir. I mean, I'm a hick, but dang, I don't even, I watched that and was like, dang. Oh, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the people that shop at Walmart that we think are bad watched that and felt sorry for these people. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's recent shopping excursions you went on. Yeah, you and them. Andy, I think, right? Yeah, yeah one of them had, yeah, something. Yes, one of my recent Ooh. excursions reminded me a lot of the whites of West Virginia. But it's still not that bad. Anyway, let's. Uh, so they're beating the crap out of Robert Gibson, and Bob Cottle implores Dutch Mantel to go stop it because you're Jimmy Golden's friend. And basically, Dutch said, because I'm Jimmy Golden's friend, I'm not going to stop it. He didn't want to watch Robert Gibson get his ass kicked. That was, that was all up Dutch's alley. So, I do. Yeah. And uh, finally, they just quit beating on poor Gibson and leave him laying. So nobody comes out to save him. And that's how we end that. And we go right into m- match number two. And Andy, last week, we were just talking about moving your bandana from your knee to your head. <laughs> And now Gary Scott, all of a sudden, one of the uh, uh, blowjob baby faces in Smoky Mountain Wrestling is is a uh, pseudo heel here because he's got the bandana on his head. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And it was a black bandana. So, I mean, you know, you put the two and two together, he's a bad guy now. Yeah, let's just call him the one-man gang because nobody else would be dumb enough to be in his posse. He's the OMG, as you can see. Does FBI dope, uh, dope crews be watching him? They they be watching him. Yeah, see, they, they, they see him. Well, you see, they see him rolling, and they're hating, and they're trying to catch him riding dirty. Okay. Anyway, let's let's get off of that. This uh, he's fighting Tim Horner, and we we have this angle that's playing out in the match. Tim Horner outsmarts and outquicks Gary Scott. And it it frustrates him because Scott's trying to do these moves that he can't quite pull off. And Horner's able to do it pretty well. And we get a bouncing Beulah siding at ringside, and she's wearing a referee shirt. And thank f- the freaking Lord that it's not a Divas version of a referee shirt because poor Beulah Beauchers, uh was at least in her 60s at this point, and, and nobody would have wanted to see that. 60s? No, no, no. She, she was Mark in her Henry. 60s. Yeah, except possibly uh, Mark Henry. This was a decent match. It it actually tells a good story. Horner was just a little bit quicker and smarter. He gets him with the natural bridge. Perfectly acceptable TV match. It is what it is. It was a a squash, but Gary Scott held his own there against Tim Horner. Gary Scott's actually not a bad worker at all. I, 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 I think, yeah, doesn't he wrestle again? We have to see him again, but yeah. He's not bad. He's not bad for a jobber at all. No, I mean, he's kind. He's well, kind of like Barry, Barry Harwoods, you know. You know, and I guess he fell off the face and maybe went to the WWE at this point in his career. But you know, I mean, he's decent. Well, like you say, like we said earlier, you know, he's another one of those that proved the fact they should have had some kind of a lightweight, maybe cruiserweight type yep. division. You know, to give the littler guys some more time out there because they've got some good wrestlers, you know, that they just don't get no time because they're not, you know, the huge brutes yet. Right. Yeah, yeah and we, we talked about that a million times. Uh, yeah. I feel, I know it's a, it's still very intimate, infant stages, I guess, at this point in the promotion, but 
man, it seems like uh, Cornette, he pushes some right buttons, but he's still trying to figure out what he is. I don't know. Yeah. He's trying to figure out what, what he, what he's trying to do with the promotion at this point, I guess. And it's still new. I don't know. Right. So we got the Dixie dynamite promo next, and he, he's going to fight killer Kyle in the main event. If killer Kyle wins, Dixie dynamite's got to take off his mask. If Dixie dynamite wins, Killer Kyle has to open his violin case. So, uh, Dixie Dynamite with the immortal words. He says, Curiosity killed the cat, but hey, diddle diddle, I want to know what's in that fiddle. <laughs> and, oh, good Jesus. Since we know what we've been associated with this briefcase slash violin case since episode number one. That was the most inappropriate thing for Dixie <laughs> to say. Oh, uh, my God. Uh, Switch the letters around a little bit. Anyway. Yeah, pretty so close. We get the main event that comes up. Killer Kyle and Dixie Dynamite. And Dynamite almost got, let's all do it in unison, Kick. That's how horrible it is trying to even do it together. He almost gets the kick right off, right out of the, right out of the bell, and Killer Kyle bells out, and uh, Dixie has this bandage on his back for oh. I, for a minute. I wasn't sure what it was until Bob Cottle said it was a bandage. I, I kind of thought, Andy, what was it? That was a skull bandit, sir. He needed his nicotine fix, and he put it on his back. Hey, it's a strange time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that's uh, I'll I'll go with that because I'm not familiar with that practice. So, and, and Justin has another theory. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It was that flesh eating shit that you know with Mercer or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that was a big. He got big the hair back in my yeah, oh. yeah, right. somehow. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah, they didn't <laughs> clean. It is Bob Armstrong's son, so I, you know, it's hard to say. They didn't. Well, when you wear the same when you wear the same shirt for seventy years, you know, you're bound to get some kind of infection. Yeah, really. (laughs) Not very clean, I guess. (laughs) Oh God. Okay, so Dixie Dynamite does hit a couple of good drop kicks. Killer Kyle crushes him with a pump handle slam, and I put a note in there and said, "My God, that should be his finisher." He, He he didn't even kill himself. And it looked devastating. He he hits a good pump handle slam. Please change your finisher. And Dutch Mantel then out of this and another non-political correct comment of the week says that he he used that move on his first wife. So uh, he's implying that he dropped her on her head with a pump handle slam at some point in time. It it, it took uh, Killer Kyle probably at least thirty seconds to. I do that move. Yeah, I do remember that. He did, he did have a he did have a really hard time doing it. Set it up, right? But to his credit, when he did it, it looked good. So if you have yes, it, it did. Seconds, it's okay. And and Dutch Mantel says that uh, he used that move on his first wife, and then Bob Connell actually even probes him a little. He asked him, "Well, what happened?" And Dutch said he had to leave for a little while, but it was pretty effective. <laughs> 
Oh, nothing like a little domestic violence comedy thrown into the Smoky Mountain show. Jeez, that has to be up there with the PC uh, award. There's no doubt about that. It's, it's close. <laughs> so, <laughs> Kyle... There's way of shit that would fly today. There's no way. No. Especially no. with all the stuff, Ray Rice and all that crap going on. But anyway. So... Uh, Killer Kyle goes for another sidewalk slam, but this one that Dixie Dynamite goes over the top and he hits a cross body and almost gets the pin. Kyle throws him out of the ring. Dixie Dynamite climbs up to the top turnbuckle. He hits a high cross body and he gets the pin. So here is our big reveal. After all these episodes and all this time, a roll of freaking tape falls out of the violin case. And Of course. Yeah. Well, Andy, what's the what what's the reasoning behind only a roll of tape in the case? Oh, he he brought the wrong case. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You, we know what's in the real case, and he's got tape in the other case. I'm seeing a live chicken and some Cool Whip in the third case. Uh, wow, a live chicken. I mean, a live chicken know. and some Cool Whip and Cool Whip. Yes, sir. <laughs> Oh, that's kind of what kind of an advertisement we can get out of that, but it, something's possible. Anyway, oh I, I said that maybe there what was just the, a secret. What the hell? What the fuck? Anyway, I, I, maybe there's just a secret compartment in the case, and it's, it's actually hiding our weapon of mass dest- weapon of mass destruction. Yeah, it's inflatable. Yeah, well, Dixie Dynamite's very. I was going to say something, but I can't even talk. Dixie, what the hell? He um he's very confused by seeing tape in this violin case, and Killer Kyle picks up the tape. And, and what does tape even do to your fist? I mean, does it even help you? <laughs> I mean, what? Well, yeah, you know, you always usually, have to wrap it. it, it I know boxers do that or something, but that's because they're. I don't know. Yeah, it well, just seems silly to me. Well, that kind of tape that he used probably wouldn't do much, but. In theory, if you if you did, the old tape fist matches were were pretty big draws around the the south, so I can see where okay. they're where, where they're headed okay. with this. So he tapes, okay. he tapes Dixie Dynamite's hand to the rope so he can't move, and then he tapes uh-huh. puts some tape, yeah, and then he brings out a live chicken, and all hell breaks loose. <laughs> no, that's not what happened. Uh, he just smacks him around a little bit with the. Uh, with his tape fist, which a live chicken, if he would have brought out a live chicken and smacked him around with a chicken, I think we'd still be talking about it today. I, ser- I seriously, I would have seriously lost consciousness <laughs> when I was watching it. If, if that really happens. Oh. I mean, oh. See, this is another thing. If I can invent a time machine, I am going to sneak a live chicken into that case. Just so when we go back to review it, you're going to be like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh Anyway, we go to a local promo, and the Dirty White Boy says that Garvin ain't even a full-grown man and uh, that they're going to put him down in Beckley. We have Jim Cornette with his heavenly bodies. Jim says that they're going to close what's open and open what's closed on the Fantastics. And good, I know what he means. They're they're going to uh, rip up the cuts that the fantastics already have, but that could be taken in a whole new spin, a spinning direction that we're not going to go in. Tom Pritchard says that they're going to hurt them. And in the episode, we go to the desk with the stud stable 
And Golden says, if you can't stand heat, get out of the kitchen. Robert Fuller says, if he wanted to have killed him, that he could have killed him. And they're going to cut a path right through Smoky Mountain Wrestling. So episode 25, the fans were a little bit dead for it. But by God, this was one of the most entertaining episodes we've watched of this whole series. It, it was great. Wrap up 25 real quick. Oh, did he send me? I'm sorry. Either one of you. What, what, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. I would want, it was easily. I think it's my favorite episode so far, by far. I mean, plenty of content to talk about. Uh, Andy definitely helped it out with the chicken thing. Uh, that was that was killing me. But anyway, yeah. Uh, it, it, it it was just it, it was cool to see this Robert because I didn't know who I know who Robert Fuller is or whatever Colonel Parker. Is. Yeah, that's who I know him by. And uh, it was cool to see him um, and Ricky Morton's coming back, which I know him. I know him from WCW days and stuff like that. And there's a lot of funny stuff. And I think, you know, the next episode might even be funnier. Yeah, I actually believe it. It might be. It, it will so be. I'm looking forward. All of our, actually, every one of the awards we've got from this show, as good as 25 is, all of our awards are going to come from episode 26. So hang around with us, and we'll be right back to cover episode number 26. You're listening to Fire in the Mountains. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. What's up, everybody? This is Kevin Kelly. Make sure you check out every episode of The Kevin Kelly Show right here on The Place to Be Nation. PlaceToBeNation.com, The Kevin Kelly Show. Every episode is a winner. At least we hope. Place to Be Nation's Justin Rosero here. In addition to The Kevin Kelly Show, we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes and PlaceToBeNation.com. You can check out Scott Criscolo and me on The Mothership, The Place to Be Podcast, with our famous Vintage Vault pay-per-view reviews. PTBN also covers current day wrestling with main event, Mission Indie Possible, and our monthly pay-per-view reaction shows with immediate feedback on WWE, NXT, and Ring of Honor Super Shows. And relive wrestling's past with our monthly pay-per-view rewind series led by Ben Morse and the Dangerous Alliance Wrestling Podcast as we dive into various subjects in the form of exercises and games. We got sports covered too with the Sports Evolution Mega Show with Scott, Dr. G, Cowboy, and Cowboy Sr., the Kings of Sport led by Live Audio Wrestling's godfather Nate Milton, as well as the NBA Team Podcast and the TJ McLoon Show. PTBN tackles pop culture and irreverence with Richard and the Mailman, the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular, and if you like a hybrid of all of this in list form, check out Jordan Duncan's Rank and File. All of these shows are available on PlaceToBeNation.com where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments and more. We want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in West Warwick, Rhode Island and Fall River, Massachusetts, and Scott Keats' blog of doom. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as well. PlaceToBeNation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. This is Parv, and I'm here to tell you to listen and subscribe to the pro wrestling-only Place to Be Nation podcast network. That's the PWO PTBN podcast network where you'll find a ton of in-depth shows done by hardcore fans. We've got Chris Zellner's one-two punch of Exile on Bad Street and with David Bickenspan, a smash hit between the sheets. 
We've got Wrestling Culture with Dylan Hales and Dave Musgrave. Goodwill Wrestling and the Reaction Shows with Good Old Will from Texas. We've got This Week in Wrestling with my man Pete and Johnny Sorrow. Stephen Graham and Tim Livingston's Pro Wrestling Super Show. Tag Team's Back Again with Kelly and Marty Slees. And a ton of other great shows too. And of course, there's Titans of Wrestling and Where the Big Boys Play with yours truly and some dude from down south called Chad. PWO, PTBN, Podcast Network. And welcome back to Fire in the Mountains. Ricky Winberg, Andy Waddell, Justin Edgel. Yes, please listen to all of our Place to Be Nation shows as there is a lot of good content out there in the world of wrestling podcasts. And uh, our guys are on the ball. So we are now up to episode number 26 from July the 25th, 1992. And Justin or Andy, which one of you are hitting the microphone? I don't know. Justin, are you? can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Yeah. It sounded like yeah. somebody yeah. was yeah. furiously beating the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, no, I actually don't even have a keyboard in, in this room anymore. Oh, he's broken the key. keyboard. Warrior has broken the keyboard. Oh no! God. Okay, no, yeah, <laughs> yes. Long story. Yeah, that's a story from another another show we do. <laughs> yeah. Ma- match number one on episode twenty six. We've got Joe Kazana and the one man gang Gary Scott against the Fantastics. And uh, Kazana, you know what? I I've not seen Kazana and Bobby Fulton in a ring together before. They look a little bit like they could do a before and after of sweating to the oldies after they've done a 30-day challenge. Can we just call Kazana the Iron Man now? I mean, he's been in more matches than Mark Curtis. Uh, <laughs> he really has. I mean, I, I, that's why my my notes out here I got. Can we go one freaking show without getting pissed on? Yeah, I mean, Joe, <laughs> one show. Joe Kazana is all over Smoky Mountain Wrestling, for sure. He is the uh, the the jobber to everyone on every show. But but he, but he has Golden Boy on on his tights. Oh yeah, uh, he still he sucks. Well, he always loses. I guess I should say that. Yeah, he he always is on the 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 bad end of things. So we get into this match, and Bob Cottle says Jackie is about six foot seven, and here and you've got to just listen to this back and forth between Bob and Dutch during this match. Because it's probably some of the funniest TV I've ever heard, and I'm not kidding. Because Dutch just rags Bob unmercifully because Jackie Fulton is six foot one, and Bob calls Dutch out and says he just has a problem with vertical height, and they they keep arguing over it. Dutch Dutch Mantel Bob said something about the match between the Fantastics and the Bodies, and yeah, and and Dutch said yeah they signed it because Jackie's six foot eight. He said, "Well, hell, he's seven foot tall. He's eight foot. He keeps growing, and and you could tell even Coddle's getting maybe a little bit legit irritated at Mantel because he was just giving him hell over this. So the the entire duration of the match is them arguing over Jackie Fulton's height, and uh, Gary Scott nails a good flying drop kick off the top rope during this match, and." What what's that, Justin? No, I I would just, I, I guess I already said this before. It's a, he's a, Garibo, he Garibo's a good worker. Like I, I, it's pretty much what I repeated before. He's just a good worker for a jobber. 
Yeah. He, he has a couple good spots here and there. And, yeah, about it. So we have a top rope sunset flip. And I'm not sure if that was supposed to be the finisher, but Fulton, Jackie had to jump a little farther and he he wraps up Gary Scott in the ropes. So he runs over and tags Bobby. And they do this modified doomsday device, kind of. And Bobby doesn't get the pin because Kazana breaks it up. And then he tags Jackie back in and Bobby flips Jackie over onto Gary Scott. And then Kazana just stands out there like, screw this. And let Scott get pinned. So that's how we end uh, match number one. Uh, anything you'd like to add, Andy, to this match? No, it was pretty well self-explanatory, but it it was a decent match. I liked the I did like the finishing maneuver. It was pretty good for the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only thing is, Two Cold Scorpio was doing that on WCW, and he was doing the four fifty without unassisted. <laughs> yeah, but he was a legend. He was a legend. So we're at the desk with the Fantastics, and Bobby says that the Smoky Mountain fans are great, and without them, they'd have given up a long time ago. And uh, if you don't want to see blood, don't come to the fire on the mountain. And uh, by God, we know that. If nothing else, Bobby Fulton will bleed about a gallon. And then yeah. that's just walking to the <laughs> ring. And I think he even made reference to him. Like, if you can look look close enough to his forehead, I guess he has a, probably has a bunch of scars. He probably looks like Flair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not quite Abdullah the Butcher level, but he's not uh, oh. he's got some scars. Oh, no. Uh, we get uh, highlights of the Robert Gibson beatdown from last week, and then we go to Gibson, who is with Bob Cottle and Justin. Uh, what is your comment on Robert Gibson? Oh, well, I swear, I swear to God, he's in the constant state of Xanax poisoning. <laughs> I mean, he he has, he shows no he has no inflection in his voice. You're, you know, you're in, in the entertainment business. And he sounds like he's half asleep, like, uh, uh, you know, like mumbling yeah. almost. Yeah. Like me the other night. That's how he sounds. Well, thank God, Robert Gibson has called in a friend, and he's called in the one friend <laughs> that can talk. And, and Ricky Morton. <laughs> yeah, no, I kind of blew that before. I'm sorry no, about that. No, that's okay. We, I mean, no, I was I'm just thinking sure. about that before. I was like, oh, shit, I... But anyway, most of the people listening to this are either watching along, so they've already saw the episode, and then they listen. To sure, this, right? Or they sure. kind of knew Ricky Morton was coming in anyway, so we're not really, we're not really <laughs> pulling back that curtain too far. So Ricky Morton, he cuts this really good promo about turning his back on the fans and said he had never signed another autograph, but he was wrong. And money makes you do a lot of things you regret, and. Now he don't have any money, and he, he don't have anything, and basically he's repenting for all of his WCW sins. Andy, um, we just saw Ricky Morton in WCW as uh, Richard Morton in the York Foundation, and despite him not really changing his looks. Marlena. Wasn't it Marlena? Yeah, yeah. T uh, Terry Reynolds. um Alexandra York at the time. Yeah, right, yeah. Okay, I remember that. So we had Ricky Morton in, as a heel in WCW, and now Ricky Morton is going to be able to come in. And, Andy, do you think just from this promo alone, that's good enough to get him over as a face immediately? It was with me. There you go. 
and Andy is the voice of the common fan. And Justin, you, 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 you don't really know some of the older Rock and Roll Express stuff, but well, just listening to this promo, do you do you buy into Ricky Morton's? Uh, yeah, I do. Story? I mean, I kind I kind of remember them back in the day. I remember when Flair used to uh, cut some promos. I think I think it was on, but on both of them. Yeah, but he he, he used had- to always say say something about how. They would be with girls with uh, training brawls, and he was a real women, something like that. No, that's that's true. And and he was actually talking about Jackie. <laughs> I Fulton. think that was probably, I don't know, if it was right after this or right before it. It's around that area in it, uh, the NWA or WCW. Yeah, it was an 80, 85, 86. He had was a, long ago. Okay. Yeah, he had a little deal with Morton. He had. I mean, they they kind of feuded with the Rock and Roll because. The Andersons fought the rock and roll quite a bit, but Flair had a good series with Morton, especially around the back. Okay, it was Morton. Okay, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, did, did, wasn't Eaton with him too at some point? Bobby Eaton? Uh, not the rock and roll. No. Okay. Uh, <sighs> no. Mor- Bobby- oh, did I, did I screw up big time? Bobby. Eaton. I, I, was that blasphemy? Well, no, he was just uh, on the opposite side of it. He was one of the Midnight Express. Oh, oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they were definitely linked, but they were bitter rivals. Okay. Got you. And, uh, learn. So we go to the desk with the stud stable, and, and Jimmy Golden says Ricky Morton one year ago that he left Lib- Gibson Lane in Knoxville. Basically, why would Robert want to trust Ricky Morton? And uh, Robert Fuller says that they're they're signing their their death warrant because basically they were making fun of it at first because Ricky Morton the way they're portraying it still works for WCW. So Robert Fuller said he can't come to Smoky Mountain working for them. And Bob Armstrong comes out there and says basically yes he's going to and they they go nuts. And that actually leads to our soundbite of the week, which I will play for your listening pleasure right now. What you going to do, Armstrong, I'm going to tell you. You're going to sign his death warrant. You're talking about killing somebody. That boy's going to get hurt. There ain't going to be no room for you at the Keebler factory for little elf, son. You're going to be ours. All right, fans. Implying Ricky Morton is not quite, uh, quite living up to Robert uh, Fuller's expectations on height. And my God, uh, if there ever was a man in professional wrestling, it was the Tennessee stud, appropriately named yes. Robert Fuller. I'm just waiting on the prison shank match, you know, because you know he's got a shank ready just to stab somebody with it. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> oh, my God. He, he does, I mean, God almighty. Okay, so... We have a local promo <laughs> with the Heavenly Bodies. That was a perfect backhanded uh, drop there. I'll say that. Uh, if you don't know, you do. You probably know. If you're listening <laughs> to our podcast, you've probably listened to many of the other podcasts. And Robert Fuller is an internet legend because just look up Robert Fuller in a Speedo. And that's all you need to know <laughs> about the legend of Robert Fuller. Uh, Holy God! Okay, that's all I'm saying. He's he's definitely he's definitely got some uh, some things working in his favor. Let's put it that way. 
We got a local. Elephant, elephant trunk. Elephant no, trunk. Yeah. yeah, the elephant trunk. Holy God. The highlight, we get highlights of the Orton and Dirty White Boy against Garvin and Lee. I guess this was the match in Knoxville. I'm a little confused on the timeline if this is actually the Summer Blast match. I don't know, honestly. But the Dirty White Boy, he nails Brian Lee with a boot. Garvin breaks up a pin. We have all four men brawling. Lee gets a sunset flip on the Dirty White Boy, and the Dirty White Boy is doing that rocking back and forth like he's trying not to fall. And it's a really cool finish because he looks over and Ronnie Garvin's standing there and he just knocks the shit out of him. And Dirty White Boy goes down. Lee gets the pin off of the sunset flip with the Garvin assist. And uh, the match is over. Orndorff hits a pile driver on Ronnie Garvin and he he laid him out. I mean, it was a jumping pile driver. He flattened Ronnie Garvin with that pile driver. So we only got to see maybe two minutes of the match. But I dare say well, that, that you was, could barely see it, but it was like one of those dark, yeah. dark arena things or whatever. But I, I will say that uh, it looked like a it was it was probably a pretty good match. Yeah, and we show backstage at this. Uh, I get from the show with Paul Orndorff. He asks Ronnie Garvin how it feels to be six inches shorter. And he says, he does say that Garvin's got a little bit of guts, but the next time he's going to give him the ultimate, ultimate pile driver because that was just an ultimate pile driver. Yeah. So he stepped and wait, it up. If that, yeah, if that don't work, he's going to give him the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate pile driver. Yes. And then Ronnie Garvin's going to give him the ultimate, ultimate to infinity pile driver. Plus one. Plus one. And then we go backstage to Ronnie Garvin. And he said that he's still around to talk. And when Garvin used to pile drive somebody, they was at the hospital, so they couldn't say anything. And he's still standing. So we're setting up the pile driver, the battle of the pile drivers, which is going to be freaking awesome. I hope we get. That will be cool. But I got to tell you, Ronnie Garvin is a cure for insomnia when he gets on the mic. Oh yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's pretty damn boring. I mean, I, I know you guys like him and all that stuff, but man, if I need a nap, I can put put some interviews of him on, and I'd be out in thirty seconds. I mean, he's no uh, Muhammad Ali. Maybe he's skewing a little more. Well, no, no, he's not. A little more toward Chuck Wepner, possibly. You know. <laughs> yeah. But but he does at least one thing. Garvin can get across is he reminds me um, a little bit of a a little older version of the character that Dean Malenko grows into later in his career. They could have called Ronnie Garvin, the ice man in 1990, 92, where it's a guy that can't talk that well, but he can kick ass. And yeah. That's his angle. That's a, that's a great, that's a great comparison. Absolutely. Yeah. He's uh, yeah. Every time they have an interview, you're just, I'm going to destroy you and then leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to break you. That's all he needs to say. If he was, oh, we could have a good angle for him. Of course, I don't think Malenko could even command the English language. Hell, I don't know. I think he said yes and no and maybe and that's about it. Yeah, yeah, Malenko wasn't the best. But anyway, yes. Match number two, and here we go. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's the Stormtrooper against Primetime Brian Lee. And if you don't know what the Stormtrooper is, he hails from Germany, and in case that's not good enough, he has a swastika on his on his uh, ring apparel. 
So, yeah. <laughs> um, I got. I have to say this. If this was on today, because of course in this is a PC world we live in now, or country, whatever you want to call it, this would be on national news if some dude came out with that outfit with a swastika on, billed from Germany. Oh yeah, I mean the how, only- how how they pulled that shit. I mean even I mean I know it was I don't know twenty three years ago, but how they yeah. pulled that shit off then. Even the clan members were booing him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, for the I can't even believe what I was seeing. I mean, I, I, I I couldn't. When he came out, when he showed up there, I could not even believe what I was seeing. This, this has got to be a joke. (laughs) I'm just picturing him getting pulled over by the cops on the way away from the arena. You know, how are you going to explain that outfit in your trunk? (laughs) And then the stormtrooper. I don't know if they tried to. It made no sense, but then it was obviously from Germany with a swat. Well, I think it was like a, a swastika on your chest. Yes, unbelievable. It's just absolutely incredible. All right, this is the this is the point we have stooped down to. We have got <laughs> to get Brian Lee over somehow. Yeah. So let's let's get him to fight a guy that is for that is a a blatant Nazi uh, that does everything but goose walk in the ring. So this week we've got the Nazi. Next week we'll have the we'll have a, a World War II dude from Japan with a nuke strapped to him. The next week we may have a guy from Vietnam with the 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 floppy patty shoes. And then when maybe we'll get maybe we'll get the KKK, Andy. I mean, my God, at this point, let's <laughs> bring out a Klansman to fight Lee and at, well, actually, you know what? He would have got booed by everybody else, but if he fought yeah. a Klansman in East Tennessee, it may have went horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, people might have showed up with their apparel. <laughs> yeah. Hey. They, yeah, they would let them. They would let the guy yeah. wrestling borrow their apparel. Yeah, it's so crazy. It, I mean, it's funny. I mean, and and he's and Brian Lee. He still didn't get a, re, a good reaction with a guy with a. Squats a on his on his outfit. Uh, yeah, the the whole crowd. The, yeah, the whole crowd was booing the stormtrooper, and then they hear Brian Lee's music, and they're like, "Oh shit, we back around for it." You could probably hear a collective sigh if you listen hard enough. I guess I, he's such a fu- he's a fucking joke. He he just is. Uh, I, can't, I can't say it enough. Sorry. The so what we've got here is. A squash match, so Brian Lee can get over the uh, dastardly hill. Maybe next week we'll get Avon Drago out there, and he will be <laughs> raping the USSR, and we'll bring back the Soviet Union. He'll have Ivan Koloff and Vladimir with him, and Brian Lee will be the patriotic guy. Maybe Brian Lee could have done Lex Luger's gimmick before Lex Luger. He could have beat him to the all-American. No, he couldn't. Brian Lee, he, he's he sad, man. I'm telling you, I knew right away. I, maybe I just <laughs> you had the premonition that you didn't like him. I, I really did in the very, very beginning when he started doing this show. I, I just knew he, he was. He, I couldn't stand him. It's it's John Cena all over again. Of course, I, I'll I'll say this. I know it's not. It's kind of. Well, I mean, uh, it's relevant. relevant. Uh, it's kind of relevant to, uh, a little bit because it's wrestling. But I mean, John Cena at least gets 
reaction. Yeah. Like some people like it. <laughs> Nobody likes Brian Lee. No, nobody. No, I mean, when your mama's even in the front row saying go to hell, you got a problem. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty <laughs> sad. Oh, God. So, uh, Brian Lee, of course, wins with the cancellation in about a minute and a half. It, it's nothing. There's nothing for this match. And then he, he joins us at the desk, and he says, of course, the Dirty White Boy is not ready for prime time, and he's 280 pounds this week. Uh, must have had his monthly visitor uh, the week before. <laughs> Because he fluctuates 10 pounds here and there. Do uh, you experience bloating? Have you talked to your doctor about Cialis? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love the disclaimers on that. Speaking crap. of Cialis, Dutch Mantel is at the junkyard. Die, maybe. And he's trying to find the dirty white boy for his segment. And Dutch brings his dog with him. And yeah, maybe that is one of Michael Vick's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it is. It's a Mike Vick cast off. He finds a dirty white boy in the back of an abandoned bus. <laughs> Which and is not uncommon. No. Just saying. Dutch wakes him up. Dirty white boy pours water over him. And he gets him. He says he's going to brush his teeth. He gets him a drink, spits it out, <laughs> wipes his mouth on Dutch's poncho. Uh. And, and dirty white Dutch, he's so, he, he's so good, man. Dutch point blank, dirty white boy is so good. He is, he is very, he really very is. good. And Dutch Mantel point blank says, you know, if you lose, you've got to leave Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And he said, but I don't think he's going to lose. And the dirty white boy said, I'd have to leave all of this. <laughs> and I mean, he's really proud of his junkyard too. That's the thing. It's not like he was making a joke of himself. He was proud. That that's what he had accomplished in his life. <laughs> he lived in an abandoned bus from 1950. You would be surprised, sir. You would be surprised. It's actually but, a, a real thing here. Is it really? Oh yeah. Yes. Not far. That's from, not. That's not too far off the fake. The only thing is, if you're really rich, you have a bus with the wheel still on it. Yeah, you can just take it. You can just move it. It's a portable. Tra- it's portable housing. Yes, <laughs> that's actually kind of sad. I'm, I'm, I'm being dead serious about that, but uh, I, th- I thought they were just playing <laughs> playing it off as like you know just a. Well, they were, but you know the dirt, dirty white boy. You know he he lived in a abandoned bus in the junkyard. Yeah, yeah, they they were playing it off, but it's it hits uh it hits a little close it to home a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it happens. It makes me like him more. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love him. He's great. So, I don't know. It's either him or Orndorff's my favorite character, probably. Uh, there's so many good heels. That's the problem with Smoking yes. Mountain. I mean, my God. Yeah. We've got yep. the Dirty White Boy. We've got Paul Orndorff. We've got Buddy Landell when he's not in a coked-up uh, coma. We've got the Stud Stable now. I mean, God. The Heavenly Bodies and Jim Cornette, they have got so many top-level heels. It is just unbelievable. And that's part of the problem. They've got too many top heels and no good baby faces. Yeah, because uh, in all honesty, I mean, if we're being truthful right now, their best baby face is Horner. Uh, I mean, well, the fall. That's, J- yeah. Well, maybe Bobby, but you know. Well, the, yeah, Jackie by proxy, but they've got Bobby Fulton, <laughs> Tim Horner, and. Uh, right. Well, they've got. I mean, Robert Gibson. When Ricky Morton comes in, that's definitely going to be your Easy most, boy. your 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 big, your big faces. But they're ta- they're a tag team, and they're not they're not 
Uh, I can't even tell what Robert Gibson is. Like I said before, I mean, he's in a constant state of, I don't know. (laughs) He's in a state of stupor. (laughs) Yeah, he is. He's in this constant stupor. I don't know what he is. Neutral. Uh, So in this interview, watch this because you just need to pay attention to Dutch Mantel's facial expressions after the dirty white (laughs) boy wipes his mouth on his poncho. Because the dirty white boy is like right beside a Mantel, and Mantel is heavily implying that the dirty white boy stinks so bad that he can't breathe, and he's turning purple by the end of the segment. <laughs> uh, the Dutch yeah, playing the great. part real well. Uh, uh, no, Dutch, Dutch always he he always has funny faces, even when all the. Uh... Like all the faces are doing their interviews, and he's he's behind and at the desk behind him and stuff like that. And he, yes, he's he makes funny faces, and then he mimes when when uh, Cottle's doing his announcements or whatever, and he's yeah. doing that miming crap. Dutch, he's funny, man. He's great. He is very aware of where the camera's at at all times. Yes, because he, he knows even though he's not the focus of the camera, just him doing something in the background. It's better than just sitting there. So him making yep. those faces makes it a little better because that's that's what kind of good character work he is. So Dutch Mantel's awesome. Matt, it, it makes me I mean, it makes me even like him more. <laughs> I, I now I really know why I liked him when he was Deb Coulter, even though he was Jack Swagger's dude. Yeah, Which it's because Dutch Mantel joke. can pull anything off and make. Yes, it awesome. he can. Yep. <laughs> So we go to match number three of this week. It's a little Nate, uh, Paul Lee against Tim Horner. And um, Bob Collin is questioning where Buddy Landell is, and that's an actual factual statement at this point because, oh, Budrow, they they didn't call him no-show Budrow for nothing because he actually had missed a few tapings because. He went on a bender? Well, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. But that, that was <laughs> – I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Buddy Landell may or may not have been in a cocaine state of mind well, at this point. Well, well, we saw with that one that last episode, or at least it was last show. We uh, saw that in that interview. I mean, the powder he was, was falling, there. Both the powder was falling out of their nose while they were doing the interview. Yeah, D, uh, dirty white boy and him. Yeah, yes, he was a dirty white he, boy. He got snowed in on Freebird Mountain. That's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and Buddy Landell definitely had the dark circle under his eyes, so he hadn't slept for probably five days. Uh, so he he's caught a questions that, and then he turns it on to Barry Horowitz. Dutch says that Barry's in intensive training, and uh, during this match, Paul Lee invents the Scorpion Death Drop. <laughs> I, that's a. I don't remember when that move technically was invented, but that's really one of the first times I can remember seeing it. And uh, so Sting may have. May or may Sting not, did, yeah, yeah. Okay. He may or may not have been watching this episode of Smoky Mountain Wrestling and kept that in his back pocket for later. Then, uh, then Polly hits a nice top rope leg drop, really nice, and he almost pins Horner. And but then he goes up and does it again. So I kind of wondered. I watched it three times and I still don't understand. And in one way, it seems like he was not supposed to hit him with the leg drop the first time, but then I watched it again and I can't imagine it, it looked like maybe it was planned. I don't know. It was strange that he would go right back up and do the same move again and miss. It's almost like they had to redo, but I'm not completely sure what's going on there. 
Well, I don't know if it was so much of a redo as it seems like they're trying to set Horner up as a thinking man's wrestler. And Paul Lee went to the well, I guess, one too many times, and Horner took advantage. Uh, That's the way I kind of took it. I don't know. Possibly. Yes. Yeah, so. Like I say, it looked awkward, but, you know. That's like trying to set Eugene up as a thinking man wrestler. <laughs> no, hey. he was class. I love that guy. Was Eugene class. was also shameless. I uh, Did he <laughs> sing shameless on one of the episodes of Raw? I, I don't know, but I wouldn't put it past it. Okay. So, he was definitely men- mentally deficient. Yes. Yeah, so Dutch would have had a field day with that guy. Oh, God. I can only imagine what Dutch <laughs> Mantel would have done to poor Nick Dinsmore. Yeah, right. So He, was, he was fun. I loved it. He was funny as hell. Yeah, it was a good angle. It got over too good. Yeah, it was. wasn't supposed to get yeah, over he, like that. Yeah. Imagine that. The fans are actually cheering for, for somebody that's an underdog that has mental... In- how about that? Yeah. Yeah. We can't imagine why that would get over in the WWE state of mind. Why would that work? Of course it works. Idiots. You're not real. Daniel, you, Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And, that, and now they're trying it with Roman Reigns and it just ain't working. Yeah. No, Roman Reigns is the modern day Brian Lee. He's six foot eight and 300 yeah, it, pounds. Exactly. Exactly right. And he's the God so blessed underdog. <laughs> we have made the connection. Yes, we have connected yes. uh, connected Ronnie Garvin to Dean Malenko, and now we have also connected Brian Lee to Roman Reigns. It's a it's a truth. Daniel Bryan was a perfect he was a perfect face, and and I, he's hurt now. He retired and all that, but they refused to give him the big push that he deserved. Uh, well, he he had the big. Ah, that's a that's a different story. Yeah, he got the he had the biggest pop. Uh, of anybody besides Stone Cold and The Rock. Yeah, but you got to have a cancellation prize in this Brie Bella. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, don't 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 feel too sorry for him. <laughs> well, I don't feel sorry for Daniel Bryan at all. Yeah, I mean, he, he made the right decision. Time uh, to move on. So the, it, this match, so Paulie does miss the second leg drop, and then uh, Horner does a. Uh, Atomic drop, Lee goes flying over the top rope. Oh, he comes back in. Horner gets his natural bridge for the pin. So this actually was a really good TV match, though. Like I said in my notes, as much crap as we give Tim Horner, I don't think that I've saw him have a bad match on any of the cards that we've watched. He is one of the better wrestlers Smoky Mountain has. His gimmick just does not... It's just like yes. all the face gimmicks at this point in Smoky Mountain. They were stuck too too far into the 80s, too far into the early 80s. That stuff didn't work as well. And I know we're looking back on it now to where that wouldn't work at all. But if right. he's watching it back then, it still is not exactly where it needed to be for that time period. But they were kind of still stuck in the 80s too. Their clothes, their hair, their women... He- well, they were all, I mean, if you think about it, look at all the baby faces except for Gibson. They're all got the blonde mullet with the, you know, like you said, the 80s clothes, the 80s ring attire. It, it, it's just cookie cutter, I guess. Yeah. Dutch calls them fair haired. The fair haired boys, yeah. Yeah. So for, that was another funny line, but anyway. But yeah, it's it's a true. I mean, Tim Horner's a good worker. He he has a 
he just has a goofy gimmick, bringing out a lightning bolt as a lightning bolt on his tights, pointing to the wrong area and all that. I mean, it's he he just goofy. Yeah, well, actually, you know Very, what, though? Just goofy. I bet you he sold a bunch of those damn lightning bolts at the concession stands. Yeah, you're probably, yeah, probably, because, yeah, the kids, they don't know anything, you know, they yeah. probably didn't care, and, just, oh, this is pretty neat, you know, and, yeah. so, bold and sparklers. And sparklers. Yeah, oh, God, forget the, the sparklers. sparklers. Don't let me start on that again. Hey. I, you know, I almost went the whole show without talking about the sparklers. <laughs> we can't. You're wait. welcome, sir. You're welcome. <laughs> The, the, it, this was a good TV match anyway. and uh, It was. It, it, it was. I agree. And Horner does win, but it is a good TV match. And then, oh, Jesus. We go into an interview in Memphis, Tennessee. I don't know why they're in Memphis, Tennessee. I guess that's where Davey Rich was residing at the time. And it's Davey Rich with uh, David Jett. And I... <laughs> You've got to watch the episode or at least look at the picture that I'll put up uh, on the PWO board that's an accompaniment to this piece. But if you don't look at either and you listen to this, the best way I can describe him is he is a uh, Frankenstein bastardized version of Jimmy Hart having sex with Edgar Winter. <laughs> uh, I don't know what else to say. He He, he has a... He's got an interesting haircut, and uh, uh, yeah, I have to. I yeah, I got I got to chime in here. That is one of the worst haircuts I have ever seen. He looks like Jimmy. I mean, that is Jimmy I, Hart's haircut. I think we got to remember. It's even worse. This is the early '90s, so I mean, maybe he was going for the Reba look and jacking the hair to Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> Something was going on. Uh, Jesus, take my bangs. <laughs> and like, and, and, for, and where was that? Like in some kind of studio? It almost looks like they tried to pull off some kind of Tonight Show set or something like that. I don't know. Johnny Car, Johnny Carson with this. <laughs> that's probably that's, that might have been what killed him. Oh, uh, <laughs> it could have been. He had Davy Rich on one show, and that was it. That's all he could yeah. have. So anyway, Davey Rich, and I'm not exactly sure. Maybe Cornette has some long-term ideas here, but Davey Rich is out with the broken leg due to the Heavenly Bodies or Jim Cornette or all of the above. And he's wearing the – this is the fashion he, statement of the week. It's him and David Jett together. The picture will go up. But he's wearing a T-shirt that is very eerily similar to a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> Or what did you say it was, Justin? A, uh, the... uh, that, you remember that game called Simon where they said like it was that four light game? Oh, and you like had to hit it in the right order yeah, and it had, kept getting harder? The, what's that? The, where you had to hit the color combinations in the right order and it kept getting harder and harder. Right, yeah. That's oh, what yeah, it looked okay, like yeah, well, that's what it, yeah, it was either that or a Rubik's Cube. His shirt was something similar to one of those. It was, and, and he, was, so, he was almost as monotone as... Uh, uh, what's his face? Robert Gibson. I would hate to see him. Boring hard, prick. Man. He was boring prick, and he had some fake cast on his leg. I don't know. No, actually, he really did have a broken leg. So that's. Oh, true. did he? Yes. And uh, Cornette, of course, comes oh. back on the desk and says, 
that he's got plaster of Paris from his ankle to his hip, and he don't feel sorry for him because he got the lucky way out. The Fantastics are not going to be as lucky as Davey Rich. So, Cornette putting his two cents in on uh, on Davey Rich. And we go into our main event, and it's Hector Guerrero and Ben Jordan against the Heavenly Bodies. And, um... Andy, what is this object that Hector is slinging around making noise with? Uh, some kind of a large rattle of some sort. I was confused. I, he was shaking it at him almost as if it was a phallic object. Yes, he was. <laughs> uh, shaking it at Stan Lane because Stan Lane has a ruptured eardrum. And uh, we don't. Cornette tells people not to make noise. So obviously. The only time we hear this crowd get excited about anything yeah, really. is to yell at Stan Lane. And Hector Guerrero does have this rather phallic-looking 18-inch object. It's a version of kill. Can we have <laughs> now we know why it wasn't in the case. It's all becoming clear now. We have the, can we have a dildo on the pole match between Guerrero and Killer Kyle? <laughs> Uh, I mean, if Prince Russo was booking this shit in 1992, it would be right there. Right there. Yeah, with no doubt. So, uh, how do you say yeah, that? He, in, man, Vince Russo I got think two, two Justin told it. Tonight. Justin, how did you say we, we, we say dildo in Spanish? Consolador. Consolador. Something like that. So, it, Consolador. it, sounds, a lot, it sounds like a lot like uh, cancellation. So. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Go figure. Hey, Andy. Go uh, figure, figure that one out. We, we had a couple of years of broken high school Spanish. The, the only thing I can remember is uh, De, uh, Pilar Comer David. Yes. Pilar ate David for some Pilar, reason. Pilar ate David, and that's the only freaking thing I can remember from Spanish. And the only reason I can remember that is because we asked the teacher, shouldn't it be the other way around? <laughs> yes, and well, she yeah, did not appreciate the humor. No, and she busted my ass in the middle of the hall. <laughs> <laughs> so, sad but true. Okay, anyway, I yes. I so, cuss words, but yes, consolador. Consolador, okay. It's, uh, it, yeah, I think it sounds just like cancellation. Like I said, Brian Lee's finishing move. <sighs> Me llamo Brian Lee, consolador. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh... How do you how do you say I love Consolador in Spanish? Uh, I don't know. Uh, me gusta Consolador. Yeah, something like, yeah. There you go. Uh, okay, let's get back onto the, this match. And this, Ben Jordan actually holds his own in this match, even though it's the main event. And he's kind of a jobber. He does a really good job in this match. Uh, it's a good match back and forth. I liked it. I love Hector Guerrero. I'm sorry. I don't know what it is. He reminds me so much of Eddie. When he Eddie wasn't quite as jacked up and bloated up, when he could still fly around a little more, Hector was still getting it done in 1992. And the fans, obviously, they're like, "What the hell is this? We don't understand this." They weren't used to seeing a guy flip into the ring and do the hedgehog roll and the spin, the spinning back fists, and where he he almost done like a the Chris Jericho's. Uh, uh, not the walls of Jericho, but the other one. Oh, yeah, well, the one oh. off of the where he does the the middle rope and he does the backflip. I don't know why I can't. Line do salt. It. Yeah, the line salt. Except he, oh, except okay. he, does a, he okay. springs back. I mean, Guerrero okay. really can. He can get around the ring, and it was good. Yeah, he can. 
it was a good match, and the Heavenly Bodies are getting better as a team the more they team together. And, uh, of course, it ends with Jim uh, – well, it ends with Ben Jordan taking the fall from that backdrop slash clothesline finisher. The Heavenly Bodies are still – I think they need to – they still haven't found the finisher that's the best one for them. They've tried that suplex clothesline thing, and they try this backdrop clothesline thing, and neither one of them are exactly devastating-looking moves. That's the only thing I can crack on the Heavenly Bodies for. They need a better finisher. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're good. They're obviously good in the ring, and they're good in the mic. I, I think they get a lot of help from Cornette. Not as much as, uh, you know, like, uh, what's his face uh, with Lesnar? Heyman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heyman helps or yeah him a lot more, but you know he they're good overall, especially for this territory. They're excellent. So. During this match, Jim Cornette did not have his tennis racket. He had this paper bag, and everybody and Caudle was speculating what it was. Dutch acted like he knew, even though he didn't know. And Cornette brings this glove out of the paper bag, and you're like, what is going on? And then he pulls out barbed wire, and he hogties Ben Jordan in barbed wire. That was kind of different for that time period. Yeah, for sure. To, I mean, yeah, because barbed wire is highly inefficient to do hogtying with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't. I'm sorry. I wouldn't know. Does it have yeah, anything to do with the live chicken or cool whip? Yeah, right. <laughs> Paracord is much more flexible and can make smaller nooses. Okay. <laughs> uh, you're incriminating yourself by the second. We go to the court. We go to the desk with Cornette and the bodies, and he says that he was just trying Why to. Why are you saying him- this shit when I can't mute? <laughs> <laughs> Jim Cornette was trying to let them know what they were in for. The Fantastics are in for the fight of their stinking lives. And Cornette kind of yells a little bit, and Stan Lane bends over and grabs his ear. Stan Lane playing it up real well. His ruptured eardrum slash, uh, I can't let my toupee fall off. <laughs> so Hold the rug. That's how, we, that's how we end the show. So we have went through 25 and 26 tonight. We'll uh, hit our awards. The match of the week. Uh, what was it, Andy? Oh, it was uh, the bodies versus Guerrero and Jordan. Yeah, I mean, we, we didn't have it a lot to choose from. Yeah, it was either that or Killer Kyle and Dixie Dynamite. And actually, that wasn't a bad match. It's just hard for me to give Killer Kyle any credit. He's the only heel that I don't like. <laughs> so it's hard to give. He actually worked good in that match, though. I'll give him that. But, but the bodies against uh, Guerrero and Jordan was a better match. Soundbite of the week. Well, you've heard it. Robert Fuller called Ricky Morton the Keebler Elf. I mean, it was close because the hey diddle diddle. I want to see what's in your fiddle. Dixie Dynamite was right there at it. <laughs> and, and diddle was too close to the uh, what was really in there. So yeah, you know, yeah, it was. Uh-huh. Interview of the week. Uh, we were we were this was a hot topic, but. It was either the Ricky Morton or Dutch with the Dirty White Boy, but we're going to give it to Dutch with the Dirty White Boy in the junkyard. Any other week, that would have been Ricky Morton, but God, that was just that was a good 
segment with Dutch Mantel in the junkyard with uh, the Dirty White Boy. And and a uh, nice touch of the Dirty White Boy spitting his beer at the dog, which is also <laughs> something we couldn't get away with. This. The dog even, I mean, the dog even sells it. He runs away. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's well, screw you. We're a girl. I don't even know what it would, but yeah. Uh, it was pissed. So the fan of the week, uh, we have two fans of the week. It's uh, You will see them in the board. It's uh, the, these, I don't even know. One of them looks like a porn star, and he has the Bob Cottle big Coke bottle glasses, and the other guy looks like he could be Jimmy Del Rey's daddy. And you'll see Jimmy Del Rey pop up on Smoky Mountain later, and then that'll make sense. It, it almost looked like they were father and son, but it was—it's kind of hard to tell. It was really—it was really, you know, a quick camera shot. You talking about the one at the very end? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it, but it, there were, that happens in. The, it it yeah, was maybe. a bad look. It 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 was a uh, fashion statement of the week. There is no way it can't be Davy Rich and and, uh, and his interviewer. Uh, good lord. That was brutal. That should be the picture on our. Uh, put it up on SoundCloud. It probably, it, yeah, it actually. Picture should of those be. idiots. Yeah, it should be. All right, Justin. Now we've got two more episodes knocked out. Uh, what What did you think of these two? They were. They were. We talked about this. They were easily the best. Best two episodes we reviewed so far. So for comedian, I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to seeing what's ahead uh for sure yeah we got two more tapings from uh, benton county polk high school so we'll see what happens with uh 27 oh, we and 28 have to see these lame fans again for yeah, two more episodes i think we got to see them for two more episodes oh and i and i and i did stay conscious this you time. did you did <laughs> <laughs> but you Monday probably night. wish you hadn't yeah oh maybe not <laughs> Uh, yeah, you wouldn't. You you actually couldn't have been of an, an accomplice to this if you was unconscious. Uh, Andy Waddell, um, now that you've blown it completely out of the water, what would you like to end this in your comments with tonight? I I just hope that everybody that watches it has as much fun with it as we did because it was two good episodes. It was, and at the end of the day, I mean, this is a we're doing a rewatch, we're doing a podcast. There's only so much we're going to do. We're not going to call ever Hammerlock or hold or try to break down these matches because most of them are TV matches that are not going to be that good. But what we try to find in this is humor. And if nothing else, we've we've developed our own storylines that have went completely out of control. And I don't know where they're going to go from here because, quite honestly, it's been so long since I've saw most of this that unless it's some of the major, major angles, I can't remember either. So it's almost like I'm experiencing it for the first time. It's just like the hey, diddle, diddle, I want to see what's in your fiddle deal with Dixie Dynamite. That was funny enough out of context, the way he said it. But for the love of God, from the way we've been talking since episode one, when you think of it like we think of it, it's going to make it a lot worse. And then I Smoky Mountain was It's the last true, one of the last true territories. There may have been... There's an argument for IWA Mid-South in the early 2000s. I know that. But around here, that this was the last of the great territories, and 
they done a lot to keep the tradition alive from East Tennessee and just the way Tennessee wrestling was. But it's fun to look back on it and make fun of it now. I mean, God, it's been 25 years. So it's it's more dated now, and it's just it's fun stuff to watch. I mean, you're going to get something entertaining when you watch these episodes, no doubt. And I think I think it's mainly because it's so freaking ridiculous. A lot of it, yeah, you know, a to, lot of to it me, is. In my opinion, I mean, you know, me, you know, obviously, I'm not from the south. You guys are, I guess. I mean, <laughs> you're you're only five hours from me, but you know, it's just, it's just it continues to baffle my mind. All this stuff I see, and it cracks me up. Oh, it's wow. it, it's so freaking funny. All right, so we are. I, 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 I really might actually go unconscious one night. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we'll ask, and when you don't respond, we'll know the answer because we did that. <laughs> you already did that. Yeah. <laughs> I know it wasn't. Yes, I oh, was. wow. So, okay, so now we're down through 26 episodes. We are going to do 27 and 28 next time. I don't think there was a commercial tape of Summer Blast, so. We'll hit the results. I think since this is the same set of tapings, I don't know if they have Summer Blast Incorporated, but I do know that we're coming up on Fire on the Mountain, which is one of their big shows, and it was on tape and tape. So I know we will be able to review that one when it comes around. So now that this train wreck's done for this week, we will uh, we'll be back probably in uh, another week or two for another two-part Fire in the Mountains, Smoky Mountain Wrestling.